What up, world? And welcome back to another episode of the Amera Podcast. Episode 167. Sure. Today is Wednesday. 4.20 p.m. on the West Coast, March 23rd, 2022, uh-huh. if you're counting. we love to see it. And we got the original <laughs> crew in the house this evening for another enthralling episode. Nice adjective. Where we will be talking about the January 6th committee and updates with that and uh, hopefully how Trump's getting in trouble. We'll be talking about the Supreme Court nominee. Katanji Brown Jackson and give you all the update on how that's going. And then we're going to end with some war in Ukraine. So that is the evening. But first. So what you're saying is light topics tonight again, yes. mm, as always. <laughs> well, no, no game this evening. You know, our game. Uh, I was trying to think of one, but I got distracted today. <laughs> well, what you promote, you proposed earlier in the week. It's like uh, what's shitty and shitty and shitty and shitty about this. It was just like, <laughs> Least favorite things. Shittier and shittier and shittier. Least favorite. Least favorite and least favorite. Least favorite. Yeah, for least favorite. That's what it was. Yeah. (laughs) With us this evening, we got in the Denver metro area, John Kelly. How are you this evening? I am fine. Totally fine. Glad to be back. Good. Good. You look fine. And also with us this evening outside the Denver metro area, John Anderson. Hello. How are you doing, sir? Hello. I'm good. I'm chilling. Uh, you know, it's 2022. And as I was, I was uh, joking with, I think, Jordan, or maybe it was on the Slack about Jordan anyways. It was like, should I, you know, reorganize my go bag for mm-hmm. nuclear fallout, you know, from uh, earthquakes? Or, or do I need to, like, take my stay-at-home cash and turn it into my go bag? Or what are we doing here? It's very 2022 vibes. Mm. You're inching your way closer and closer to the prepper bumper bunker lifestyle. Uh, yo, there was a nuclear missile silo on Zillow not too long ago. <laughs> and I was extremely uh, tempted. Although it seems like maybe not the best place because it feels like that's where they're going to drop the bomb. I was going to say, wouldn't yeah, that yeah, be a target? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe a a not the greatest idea. Yeah. You're the, outthinking yourself on that one. Unless they have like some, you know, twenty floor deep compound that you can hang out in. Then we can and talk. like some geothermal power and, and a water source, and then you're good to go. Right. Hang out there for 20, 30 years and talk yeah. back up and it'll be fallout. It'll be great. We know how to do this. <laughs> I was I was joking about it with a, another group of friends and because a buddy of mine was in Detroit and he was like, yeah, what if the bombs start falling here? Detroit's definitely going to get it. I was like, go to the Red Wings facility. What well, used to be Joe Lewis Arena because they've got like 20 floors worth of practice facilities and you could like mm. just be down there. And then I was like, this is way too much like a fallout shelter from like yeah. video games. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You got a vault. Yeah. Joe Lewis vault. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Also with us, our West Coast correspondent, Tyler Grillo. How's it going, sir? Um, it's going all right on that topic. Uh, I was, <laughs> yeah, doomsday prepping nuclear fallout. It's like, if you see the, I was, I was reading this thing. If you see the mushroom cloud, apparently you have like a couple minutes 
to generally, like depending on where you are, but like generally you have like a couple minutes or so to, or like within like 30 seconds at least to get as far as you can. Cause most people don't die from the actual initial blast, right? They die from the blast that comes and then like the destroys all your, yeah, the shockwave that like crushes your organs. So you have mm-hmm. like 30 seconds or so to like get underground or uh, as get as much protection as you can get out of the way, get out. Don't be outside, obviously all of that. And then you're supposed to spend wherever you go. You should stay there for like 24 hours or uh, 48 hours, I think for the radiation mm-hmm. to dissipate. Oh, just and to at least this- start to a level that's yeah, <laughs> safe. Exactly. Yeah. They're basically like, of course, it was basically this thing of like, First, you might think you're already dead. You're not. Gears of the second. Then after the shockwave comes, you might think you're fine. You're not. You're going to want to go look for the people you love. Don't do that because you're just going to die. And and then I was like, and then like after 48 hours, then you can start to think about maybe starting to, you yeah. know, it's a, mobilized. definitely a psychological test that everybody should think about at some point. Don't spend too much time on it. Um, yeah. I'd probably just stick my head between my legs and kiss my ass goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Stand by. Good old stand by. Yeah, yep. I mean, I was reading up on an article on the tactical nuclear warheads that they have now and how they're designed to be more precise and cause less civilian casualties. Uh, but I don't have any hope that if we got launched upon that, the precision would be taken into consideration. <laughs> well, and the other thing, like those are for battlefield use. If if they're dropping bombs on Denver, right. they're going to be using the big old strategic weapons that blow up yep. everything. Yeah. Yep. Well, so. before we get too deep down into this road, let's... Uh, <laughs> That's the third segment of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's start off with something a little lighter and more positive, I guess, with... Uh, <laughs> Nuclear war, which is... January 6th. Jesus. Uh, let's do Katanji. Let's start with Katanji Brown. Oh, Shablaya. Katanji Brown let's Jackson. Um, Positive. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start with this one. We'll, tr- we'll trend uh, downward. Depressing as we... Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Feel free to click off at any time, listeners. So. It's only that hell from here. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to start off with this? I'll be honest. I haven't been keeping up too much with with this nominee. I have been kind of like seeing some of the stupid comments by the Republicans, like Lindsey Graham called her a uh, uh, activist. Yeah, I think um, what what seems uh, to be the case, at least for me, and I'll I'll say I haven't been following following this as closely as say Ukraine. Um, but it seems like she's probably almost certainly going to get confirmed. Um, and Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of what the Republicans are doing right now are testing out messages for 2022 Mm -hmm. rather than like really, you know, um, advising and consenting on this to use a slightly different term. Um, but yeah, I think you're spot on. Yep. It's a lot of like, do you believe in, you know, CRT? And she's like. I'm a judge. You're not talking to the right person here. And so it's like, are you a Christian? I think that was Lindsey Graham. And yeah. or no, On Lindsey Graham was like, what denomination are you? Yeah. Oh, yes. He said that too. And then he was like, what um, denomination are you? And she's like, Protestant. And he's like, okay. And she's like, non-denominational. And he's like, do you think you could judge a Catholic? And she's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, when I heard that whole discussion, I was like, why won't she just say there's a separation of church and state 
in our constitution. Yeah. You guys are you guys are sitting up there trying to quote the constitution at me as if like my religiosity has something to do with being able to judge the law of the land. Um, which is funny because they stand there and purport to, you know, protect the constitution in that way. Uh but they don't, right? They don't there care. There shall all be no stuff. religious tests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's 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 the second day of hearings today. And, yeah, I think the Republicans are turning it into a circus. Um, and in part of it is exactly what you said, John, which is messaging for the midterms and also using it as as a, you know, TV stage. Right. They want to also make sure that in all of their home states, Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham uh, are performing well and showing their voters, hey, I'm still standing up for what I think is right, um, <clears throat> even if that means quoting a uh, kid's book about uh uh, kids not being racist. Um, but oh, yeah. I, I think, <laughs> who asked her if she thought that babies were racist? Right. Yeah. It was true. <laughs> think. Yeah. Not yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it, it shouldn't come as any surprise. Um, what I was most surprised about, I think was, uh, the vitriol from Lindsey Graham about basically using this hearing as revenge from the Republicans for what happened to like judge Kavanaugh during his one, basically saying that, well, if the Democrats want to drag our people through the mud when they get confirmed, then we're going to ask everything about their candidates, right? Which is just such a ridiculous double standard that he's trying to set up. Just <laughs> well, not even in like, the same universe. <laughs> Lindsay, we all think that judges should be asked whether they've sexually assaulted people. Yeah. That seems yeah. to be like a good metric for understanding if they should be part of the Supreme Court. I think everybody can agree on that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you can ask her that question then she'll be like, no, cool, moving on. Someone did. I think one of the Democrats oh, did. I think oh, wow. someone was like, yeah, just to prove a point. <laughs> right, just to prove like, right. Yeah. No. Yeah, like, great. Um, yeah, and, and uh, you know, if if confirmed, Ketan- uh, Ketanji. Yeah, Ketanji Brown-Jackson would be the... Um, uh, first black woman uh, on the Supreme Court, which obviously is a huge deal. Also, she would be the first judge who also served as a public defender. I think first, I believe, which is also At least huge. Sitting current, sitting um, current. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe not first ever, but I think Thurgood Marshall actually was a. a oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but yeah, definitely the, among the current justices, that's she right. Would be that's the right. only one who was a public defender. Yeah, she's been like a corporate lawyer, which like a bunch of them have. She's held, she's done like different, you know, in different circuits, which a bunch of them have. Um, in various circuits, but yeah, but being a, having served as a public defender, I think is a huge, um, asset. You have that whole lens on what the justice system is like. And I guess in terms of the question of like, are you an activist? I mean, I've heard that she has been an advocate. I don't know how much work she's done, but she's been an advocate for, um, uh, change to the social, to the, to the, uh, criminal justice system, um, Mm -hmm. that would be, you know, given her time as a public defender, which honestly is like, Anybody who ever has paid attention to the justice system should be an advocate for the uh, some changes to uh, also, the justice system. But if you want to talk about advocacy, we can talk about Justice Thomas's wife, who was at the January sixth rally. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Yeah. yeah, and and before before we get there, because that was a really good transition, John, and I want yeah. you to take that <laughs> run. But uh, you know, the fact is that uh, you can tell that it's a lot of just political showmanship by Republicans in a really terrible way because they all voted to confirm her less than two years ago anyway. <laughs> yeah, Lindsey Graham voted to confirm her. Yeah, he yeah. confirmed her without like any kind of second chance and it, you know, I'm sure that if you asked him he'd be like, well, putting someone on another court of appeals is different than the Supreme Court, right? You got to do your diligence when they're on the Supreme Court, but it's just, it just shows you, you know, yeah. why they're using this um, 
opportunity to the extent that they are. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how yeah. about yeah. how about Clarence Thomas? How hey, about... in in the hospital this week, and his wife was at the rally on January. Yeah, it's crazy. Also, uh, did you all see that? Uh, one of the January 6th guys fled to Belarus and was offered yes. or was it, he, he had an asylum accepted? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, sure go did. for it, dude. Everybody wins in that situation, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Quote, yeah. unquote, Have wins. Fun in Belarus. We're happy it, for you. Yeah. He's from not far new... from where I am. He's from Santa Rosa, which is like an hour drive. Bye well, <laughs> bye. Yeah. Have peace. fun in Belarus. Hope yeah. you enjoy it. Yeah. 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 So quick, um, that's uh, great. Quick cap recap on this is uh, if you haven't been paying attention, there's, Apparently some new evidence to show that I mean, what we all kind of had an idea about what uh, is that Trump did know that he lost the election. <laughs> mm-hmm. And oh. um, so that's shocker. Yeah. And so if there's proof that he knew, then there is some legal action that potentially can be taken because he did incite a violent riot at that point. So. hmm. And yeah. one of the really good um, pieces of evidence for that is that call with the Georgia Secretary of State. He asks for the precise amount of votes that would be one more for him to win than the needed amount. And it's like, okay, well, then you have a pretty clear understanding of what you need. It wasn't like, oh, you need to find all of the voting fraud. It was you need to come up with this amount of votes. Right. So yeah. um, also, yeah. did did we all see that Mark Meadows uh, uh-huh. is in a whole lot of trouble? That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like he yeah. was on the phone with one of the organizers of the rally. Oh, wow. And he he uh, voted in a place he's never lived in. Oh, yeah. He's, and that. Right, he's registered. <laughs> right, yeah, he, yeah. He, he pretty much actively committed <laughs> voter a, fraud. To a trailer yeah, park. He, much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Mark Meadows, you live in a trailer park. Yes, that makes sense. In that, North Carolina. In North Carolina. Sure, bro. Checks out. Checks right, out. that his yeah. wife and his kids rented one time and stayed for like two nights. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> wow. so he's in some trouble. Yeah, it's like, hey, there was voter fraud. They were very sure about it because they did it. Yeah, right, right. But right. yeah, but yeah, it shows the records that are coming up shows that he was in pretty constant contact with some of the uh, organizers of the event, which is not surprising. And he also spent significant time with uh, Rudy Giuliani and a couple others at the what was it the, the DC hotel that's just a couple blocks from the White House. The Willard, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so they were they were sitting there actively planning what they would do to try yeah. to make sure the that The Willard this, War Room. Yeah. And they knew what they yeah. were doing, which was building a big enough lie to buy them enough time that uh, electors within states would change their mind or Congress would step in or the Supreme Court would step in or any anybody would step in. But they <laughs> to were, push the lie long enough to have that happen. It looks like the, the game was to um, push the states needed to make it contested so that they could move it to the House of Representatives. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then when because in the House of Representatives, each state delegation gets one vote and there's more red states than blue states. So yeah, right. um, and, and, they need it, and that's part yeah. of the um, uh, fake electors that those stupid morons submitted that's probably going to get them all in fucking jail um so that's that's why they they needed those uh fake set of electors so they could say oh well you know the states are now contested so we have to kick it to the house so right by the way that will be the plan in 2024 yes yeah 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 it's pretty frightening just how close it came to uh like flopping over that direction 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I mean, really they, they'll probably test out things this year in the midterms. You know, probably they're <laughs> not sure. going to be quite as heavy-handed with it because they're going to they're like probably str- going to stress test a little bit right now. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no there's no electors for the president that way, but the right. the harsher voting restrictions that you already see in a lot of red states is a direct response to it. You already saw it in yeah. Texas. Mm-hmm. You yeah. already see it, saw the impact in Texas. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. going to be fun. It's going to be super and, great. And I mean. It's also really interesting because what you're having even fallout still within the Republican Party about how it should be branded and how it should be discussed going forward, right? Because even I think Republican Senate candidate Mo Allen, I think his name was Mo Brooks. Uh, Mo, Mo Brooks. Mo, yeah, Mo Brooks. Sorry, yeah. Um, but Trump basically denounced him today or yesterday because he yeah. was like, "We should get past January 6th. We should get past the big lie of what happened." And Trump's like, "Well, if you're not going to be on the side that this was actually legitimate voter fraud, then I can't endorse you anymore." Which is his biggest reason to run and his most wow. legitimate course of getting elected is having Trump support. So, I mean, it's still tearing the Republican Party apart. Yeah. There was an interview, um, I think on Fox Business this week of Trump and the guy was like, you know, aren't we going to move past January um, 6th and 2020? Like, we need to be focusing on 2022 and 2024 to make sure we win. And Trump was like, no, the way to win is to uh, battle for 2022 or for 2020. Uh, and he, he had the, the guy was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Trump actually had sound logic in his own insane way, which was, um, the Democrats are going to steal all the elections going forward. So if we don't stop them from doing it this time, they will continue to do it. Right. Um, right. It, yeah. It's, it's the narrative that yeah, the, so he, the Democrats yeah. are secretly um, stealing and ruining the country. Because the of same, it. Yeah. Which and, is the same yeah. narrative that the Trump administration had and the Republican Party, for that matter, the whole time Trump was in office, which was totally, which was cover up what we're doing by blaming it. What's happening on the Democrats? Yeah, I'm rubber your glue defense. But yeah, so interestingly, like we haven't really, you know, some of the Republicans have been trying to find some daylight between Trump and his voters um, and the the Republican primary electorate. With this, uh, it seems like there might be some possibilities there. But the thing that I've seen um, most likely to split the Republican Party since literally the Hollywood Axis tape is uh, uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. Um, yeah. This seems to be the the one thing that could um, drive a wedge, give you know people like Chris Christie ammunition to go after Trump and get rid of the Putin wing of the Republican Party, which is a substantial wing of that party right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and really based in the the the, the Trumpers, the really hardcore yeah. Trumpers, right? The really yeah, yeah. hardcore populist nationalist yeah. side of that. Um, well, yeah. it plays. Yeah, it plays really well into the nationalism because it's like you know where. Even though, you know, if Putin had his way, he would have taken over the whole country by now. But where he has taken and where the focus of the invasion is, is in the more Russian speaking parts of of Ukraine. And so it it feeds into that nationalism of like, well, they either speak Russian or Russian people like they should be part of that. And like the ethno nationalism thing, um, which if you've ever looked at history, you will learn very quickly that it doesn't work to try to draw borders over where people like <laughs> speak languages right. or ethnicities yeah. or if you, yeah, if you ever looked, that's never worked out really well. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, you can't actually do that. I wonder if, uh, you know, they've ever considered just dissolving their borders, you know? But, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, then, then they did uh, in 1919 and it didn't work. Yeah, out. right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, yeah, if you believe Candace Owens, there never was Ukraine ever. Candace Owens has been actually. a special voice in the whole 
dialogue. Boy, oh boy. I haven't heard Ukraine didn't exist until 1989. It's like they speak Ukrainian. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was their claim. Yeah. That the Russians created Ukraine. Yeah. Um, That there was no such thing as Ukraine before that. Um, Never was. Well, I mean, okay. Anyways, we have to get into the whole. Yeah, we don't need to I know. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> well, yeah. put a cap on um, January sixth commission. Slowly, slowly, that ball is rolling forward, and I think picking up momentum. So we'll see. It better because we're running out of time. Yeah, we'll see what happens here in the next few months. Uh, pretty exciting, but yeah, back to Russia, Ukraine. Ukraine. War is. Yeah, war is terrible. Yeah, we hate war. Yeah. War. Lots of new information, too, coming out of, uh, like, where the Russians are at in the operation. Or not at. Or not at, yeah. (laughs) As it were. I mean, yeah, Ukraine (laughs) continues to put up a hell of a fight um, and being backed more and more, um, I guess... I guess transparently by NATO and other European countries, I guess. Like, yeah, which has been interesting. It's like maybe shut the fuck up about all of the yeah. weapons that we're sending in there. Yeah, like, like don't fucking yeah, oh, totally. don't Putin that. I, I've been yeah. reading like United States pushing to help supply NATO for Eastern. I'm like, why are we writing about this stuff? Like this, like <laughs> yeah, especially the weapons going into Ukraine because it it makes them a target. And like, there's ways where if if it's not that public, Russia can like you know let us know through other means like fucking stop it or we're coming after you but if it's all public then it makes it a lot harder for russia to ignore it and so i'm wondering if this is for domestic audiences or like what is the reason that they're doing that they're announcing all these deals the reason that it i so to me what's registering in my mind is they're they're trying to build morale in the country to show that Biden is doing something um, in the U S or in Ukraine or both, both, you know, yeah, but probably more sense. in the Ukraine, yeah. probably more. Yeah. In Ukraine, I mean, but it, yeah. more in Ukraine, that makes sense. but absolutely. That's still, a good explanation. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, Hey, we're sending you stuff. Yeah. Well, and also like yeah. the wartime presidency thing, right? Like if you, if you look historically, it, American Americans do not like to switch presidents in the middle of a war. And even those wouldn't be like, if you kind of make it look like it's more of a war, like that might kind of get to those sentiments. I like, mean, that's interesting. It's, yeah. Especially with the with the economic sanctions, I think you could characterize what we're doing as waging economic war on Russia. Sure. Well, uh, yeah, I, more than anything, yeah. I, yeah, and I also have been that the information war, which we talked about like last time, that is like so very real. I I do some of the moves that Biden's made that seem like, ooh, that was quick, like to do that or like back like the, some of the amount of arms that we're sending. I think that there might be an understanding inside of the inside of the administration that like we've already been at this cyber war that like this this information like the cyber war the information has already been happening and that like they're because i don't know i felt like something's moved a little quickly for you know but i'm like if you have the lens of like oh well they've already been attacking our fucking like they've already been attacking us cyber for years like it doesn't feel like that much of an escalation yeah also well yeah and also uh biden i think the administration has known about this since like October. And I think that, uh, they started making right. it public in December. That's right. That's right. And yeah. so they've had some time. And so my guess is that Biden has set up kind of like, you know, trigger points. And so if Russia does this, the allies will do this. If Russia does this, the allies will do this. Right, uh, and right. maybe that's why we saw it 
happened so fast, but um, the, also the magnitude was pretty substantial and pretty surprising. Like they, yeah. from a, lots of experts I've heard from, they were like, we were expecting economic sanctions, but not this level of economic sanctions and not this quickly. Yeah. So that's yeah. been really interesting. But I think at least in the in the near term, it's been important. It's, it's I think, galvanized the West. The West has been down morale-wise for a, lo- a while now. And I think it allowed us to say, hey, we're hitting back, but in a new kind of creative way that's not militarily. Uh, and also, it was quite a dick punch to Russia. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. And like mm-hmm. I saw that um, the largest Russian tank manufacturer just stopped producing tanks because they've run out of foreign... Um, uh, yeah, capital, hunts. really. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, yeah, I agree. And I think... You know, it was very, very aggressive. And I think you're right, John. I think it probably was thought out in advance, kind of the economic sanctions and see like just how quickly that could try to bring the Russian war machine down to its knees without the backing of the majority of the country. I think that's that's really the idea behind it. And it seems to be working out pretty well. Um, There's pretty large dissent within a Russian state. You have top generals and supporters either not being allowed in public, <laughs> which is a sign that there's internal, really internal strife and, and people stepping people down fired. and not supporting people getting fired, which I was, I was reading too, that like, there's a lot of corruption in the, in the military there. And wow. And no. like, <laughs> right, well, and so point being is that there's a lot of people either like who were getting paid that aren't getting paid anymore right now. Right. So that in itself causes a lot of kind of what I was trying to explain in the last podcast, which is their structure in the military is not as sound as ours and it's built on corruption and money. So it's going to fall apart real fast. And that's exactly what's happening over there. Yeah, I think that's pretty solid. Um, You know, and just uh, I I think I think you're right on that, Blake. And, you know, just to backtrack a a little bit, because I I do want to bring up the. uh, the amount of weapons and anti-aircraft and tanks that the United States has been providing. Um, because I think like, what I didn't really hear in the conversation yet was I think that that's a concerning potential escalation point for Putin, totally. right? It's 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 kind of what John brought up, I think, in a sense where it's like there's a lot going in there and it's, it shows that NATO is behind the Ukraine. But um, what ends up happening, I think, is that in the long run, if this continues to play out the way that it looks like, which is a long scale siege of a lot of these cities and a lot more weapons from the West coming into the in, into Ukraine, that it's more of a justification for Putin to be like, see, this is exactly what I said was going to happen. This is NATO getting involved, even though the United States doesn't have troops on the ground. It is the United States coming in and fighting us. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's more justification to continue the war. And as that military machine starts to break down, we already see that a lot of analysts are saying like, They've committed potentially half of their troops already with a lot of troops like at home, not prepared to start fighting. They're losing ground in terms of their capability militarily. And so what happens when you put Putin into a corner like that is where it kind of gets scary at this point. Will Will the sanctions and the kind of stalemate that happens in Ukraine be enough to bring him to the table for peace talks or does it send him even farther into Putin rage mode, right? In military yeah, I don't know. I, you know, but. I have two very conflicting thoughts on this, which is one, like we need to stop deterring ourselves, which I think is something that I keep mm-hmm. hearing out of some smart people. And it's like, 
fuck Putin. Like he started this. This is very clear. And like, we oh, should yeah. stop putting stuff off the table unilaterally. Right. And so I'm very sympathetic to that. However, I keep on seeing, you know, like, oh, you know, Ukraine's starting to take back territory. And 45% of my reaction is, uh oh, how does Putin respond to this? And so, um, and those two things are in opposition to each other, right? Like there's not a, those things are not reconcilable really. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. And so I just, I like, I'm not, I have no solution. I'm just expressing some ways that I'm feeling about this. And I like being a policymaker at this time is so, so difficult. And I think Biden's done a phenomenal job thus far on it, but yeah, it's something that, you know, like good things can be bad things and bad things can be good things. And that's especially true in war. And so a Ukrainian, a major Ukrainian victory a week later could be looking really bad. Right. Right. And And we just don't know. I think as of now, this hasn't been confirmed, but like speaking of like big victories, like, uh, or potentially there's been reports that maybe that entire, um, convoy that was north of Kiev, right. Has been now been surrounded by Ukraine. Oh, I don't forces. know if it was the entire, was that, I don't know if it was, I thought it was just, uh, uh, like, uh, 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 uh part of the Russian forces in a Yeah, and then town. as I read into I think that they were like intentionally being vague too maybe also in the article okay. and also it was like unconfirmed but as I was like kind of yeah cuz I'm not sure but it was like it it made it sound like maybe it was that like that that thing that, that stalled it, right it is, yeah, yeah it is north of, of Kiev I'm pretty sure yeah, so that's yeah. where that convoy was so. yeah and so like something like that or I heard other counteroffensives like they're launching counteroffensives to take back a particular city I forget which one um, and then there's just like you know the the it's, it's intense devastation of cities like um is it Mariupol, Mariupol? yeah Mariupol yeah. I pronounce it yeah which that's is just it's like, been I mean that's like Stalingrad right now like it's yeah. so yeah, so flattened. horrendous. Yeah. Just threw out some other, like, you know, little data points. Apparently, Russia now has over 50% of their military deployed, which is interesting. Uh, But equally, there's been reports that the Russian combat capability has fallen below 90%. I think that's for the Ukrainian or the troop, the troops in Russia or the, in Ukraine. In Ukraine. Itself. But yeah, that's crazy. But still, that's wild. But to yeah. like yeah. 50, over 50% deployed and then below 90% of its original capability is just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's it's, it's, that it, amount of time, especially when we thought Russia was going to roll over Ukraine in, in five days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's really wild. And another thing about kind of like NATO's involvement and everything, it's like, Okay, so Russia is bogged down in Ukraine fighting only Ukraine's military, and we somehow (laughs) think that they're also going to invade Poland and take on NATO right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? However, though, uh, historically, Russia starts really slow and then super warms up, and by the end of it, they are a fucking tidal wave. And so I think that that is something we need to prepare ourselves for too, is that they look like clowns right now, but that historically has been the case. And then historically they get their fucking shit together. Yeah. Because they ramp up conscription and all of a sudden they're like, Oh yeah, no, by the way, we have 30 more million soldiers that we We will play this for, we will play this game of attrition with you until, you know, you get a rifle, you get a bullet, you get a rifle, you get a bullet. At that point, point, it's purely, it comes down to their propaganda campaign. 
you know, because they're going to have to find those 30 million people that want to pick up the and rifle. they're an aging population too, which yeah. is another interesting yeah. part of this. It, it looks like uh, the reports I'm seeing is if they're going to send in more troops, it's likely going to be um, from outside uh, the right. outside Russia, like yeah. Syrian troops. Right, right. There's also, I mean, like you know, and yeah, I think there's so much to say on this on this topic um, that we could we can keep going for days. But you know, one thing that's interesting is I've just op eds are rolling out like things like is Ukraine winning actually question mark which is like interesting also there was this great map you see this every now and then but like I, you know the way in which we see maps because obviously it's distorted it was like showing like things what their actual size are and it's like Russia can look like such a threat on a map because it looks so giant but when you actually look at like how big it actually is like it's not landmass wise it's not that much bigger than the US and like you know it, it's, it's it's interesting these psychological things that happen where you're like whoa this giant country is going to war and like they're not that big like they're big, but like you know it's not like what it looks like on a fucking map coming you know? from the guy who who's taking the train across across the country <laughs> yeah i mean it, it it's still big let me tell you it's still big <laughs> but, um but it's also news. extremely depopulated in the northern part yes also like it is yeah. <laughs> in the eastern Their part of russia is there's like, no one what the fuck <laughs> siberia is nothing yeah. also their economy is smaller than italy's so if they right. didn't have yeah. nuclear weapons we'd all be like in italy, yeah whatever bro yeah. no italy doesn't have a great economy <laughs> Right. Yeah. 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 Um, Breaking news from the New York Times. President Biden has quietly assembled a team to determine how to respond if Russia were to unleash chemical, biological, or nuclear weapons, uh, which I don't love that we're seeing that article come out because that, um, my first reading of that is that is further um, Mm -hmm. declassifying information to inform the public, which means that Biden's team is increasingly worried about these things happening. Yeah. Yeah. Which we don't love. And the escalation of Putin seems like. Like, it, it's on the table at this point. Yeah, you know, yeah I don't especially think he if he's losing. Say no. So, yeah. 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 He's, um, he's like burning all down mode right now, it seems like. Right. But, fuck. but we just yeah. have to keep in mind, like, the Russian people are standing there and it's going to be up to them to say, okay, let's burn it down too or fuck this right. guy. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Right, right, right. One of the yeah, uh, well, fuck Putin the things I re- Yeah. 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 One of the things I really liked seeing was, um, speaking of maps, Tyler, it was, um, it had a, it was like one of those invasion maps, you know? Um, and, uh, the, the, the pieces that had not been invaded yet were in blue and the pieces that had were in yellow. And the key said, um, for blue, it said Ukraine. And then in yellow, it said Ukraine, but in yellow. (laughs) Nice. Godspeed, everybody. (laughs) 